Hello, everyone. Welcome to another of my episodes. Let's uh, share screen. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the new article that I published in my website, theartofthomas.wordpress.com, Thomas with no H. So, this episode is called, Who Controls the State and How Long Can It Last? Now, the first thing I need to say about this is that it's not, I'm not going to talk about conspiracy theories and the deep state and all that stuff. Um Today, I, I just want to show this thing that I've been researching and I've been reading about, especially on the book that I recommend in every episode, The Sovereign Individual. If you are interested in these subjects, you, that book is a must, must read. But anyway, in the book and also in other places where I have done some research, So, if you look historically at all the different forms of government and all the different power structures that humans have organized around, you can basically categorize them in three different types, right? And so... the. The question, now let's start from the beginning. The question, who controls the state or who controls, you know, the power that organize society? And that power can be owned by, the first option is uh, the owner, which is usually someone who inherits their position, like a king, a lord. Something like that, but what the characteristics that represent a state that's owned by someone whose relationship to it is the relationship of an owner, like an individual who owns it. What tends to happen is that they use the state to collect as much resources from the population as possible. But at the same time, the state tends to be a small, small state. And it, cause it tends to keep the costs as little as possible, as low as possible, while providing the least amount of services to the public. So this is by far, uh, this is one of the worst kinds. And basically, if you are the owner, what you want is to get as much money, provide just enough services so that the system doesn't collapse, but not more than that. Keep the state as small as possible, so you're trying to get as much, spend as little as possible, and that difference goes straight to your pocket. It's all profit. So that's the relationship that you would see if the state is controlled by someone who is the owner. That's the uh, number one. And the number two of this uh, power relationship dynamic is the customer. This one has, in history, it's the one that has the least uh, moments in which you can actually see it happen. Um, in the book, they use the example of uh, Vienna. I don't remember exactly what time, but 
there was a point in Vienna which it was the people who had the most political power were the merchants. So the merchants were the customers of the of the state, and as a customer, if you are in control, what you would like is the state to take from you as little as possible. So keep costs of the government and the collection of the government down. Also keep the cost of running the government down while trying to maximize the things that you can get from the government. So what you see when these, when the customers are in charge of the government is that governments tend to be very small and very efficient. So they, they get little money, they spend little money, but they try to do the most with that little money. Uh, so the merchants that were in, in charge of Vienna at that, uh, at that time, they were trying to keep taxes low so they have more money for free trade. And mostly what the government did was just take care of the infrastructure so that stuff didn't fall apart. And, um, it was in case of, uh, being attacked, so it'll be like defense, and a lot of the um, of the investment in the community was done by the merchants themselves, by uh, what we would call free market capitalist, capitalists, and that unfortunately has, it has not been seen a lot in history. But when we see it, it is the point where the people, the people within the city, enjoy the highest level of prosperity anyway the third and the last and this is the one that I feel well I I don't feel like for me it's very clear that that's the one that we have today and that is the relationship of employees so what happens when the government is run by their employees what tends to happen in, of course, in varying degrees, but what you find when the government is run by employees is that the collection is high. The government wants as much money as it can, as it can take from its citizen as possible. Now, the, the value that the government gives back tends to be really, really low because for the employees, if you are the employee, what you would like is as much money as possible to spend as little as possible in the services that you give back to the community. And then all that extra money, you use it to enlarge and make the state bigger. So you get more employees. You get a ton of, usually what you find is a ton of useless jobs, a ton of bureaucracy just growing out of control. And it's quite a problem. And I believe in most places in the world, this is the government that's in power. Of course, with varying degrees, there's some that are better than others, but the relationship tends to be that of an, the employees running the show, which makes government extremely inefficient and extremely expensive. And that is starting to be a problem. Now, in order to understand why we needed big consolidation of power into a central 
authority, we need to understand the logic of violence. And I'm going to make a separate video and write a separate article about it, so I'm just going to summarize it now. But basically, if you look around the world now, you see that it's mostly all big countries with a centralized structure. And that is because it was necessary. If you didn't have that, you were vulnerable because in the 20th century, there was uh, war and violence was mostly determined whether you were successful at it or not by how many people could you manage to gather in your army and how long you could sustain it um, by extracting money from your citizens. So having large number of people under a centralized authority was extremely efficient and was, um, well, not, not, not efficient, but it was effective. And that's the thing. It, in the 20th century, it was more important to be effective than to be efficient. And that's why the government, from the point of view of the customers, couldn't compete because as they were trying to keep the the cost of government down, they couldn't amass enough number of people to provide uh, a defense for this this way in which war and violence was conducted. That's why I call it the logic of violence. And the logic of violence, if you look at around history, determines how big a city can be and how centralized its authority should be. So we created all these big governments and these big countries because we needed to be able to quickly come together and defend ourselves. And we needed large number of people and large number of money to support those big armies. That was key during all the 20th century. Now, today, the logic of violence is, has, has already changed dramatically. If you look around the world, you still find pockets of violence where armies are fighting each other, but they're, they're not as much as it, should, as it used to be. What you have now, it's economic and digital warfare going rampant, going crazy. Like, we have to explain this in several ways, but uh, I'll try to make this video brief because I, I want to make a separate video for this. But just for you to understand the cost of attacking someone Another country, digitally and economically, is way easier and cheaper for a country to do than uh, mobilizing a whole army. It's, that's, of course, it's a no-brainer. At the same time, it's really hard to to de- defend because dig- digitally, like you don't have a border. You know, it's it's much harder. So the cost of attacking decreases dramatically. Uh, defending becomes way harder. So that means that that's why we're seeing a lot of aggressive behavior in the economic and the digital space between countries, like crazy. But this means that now having a large number of people centralized in one place and have a authority, again, a centralized authority, it used to be the advantage that your country has. Now, of course, it's the disadvantage. The logic of violence has changed completely. It turned itself up really quickly and countries and states are not adapting to it. And they can't 
because they're run by employees and employees want a bigger state. And one of the elements of the bigger state is that you need to employ more people. So if you look at today, a lot of the people around the world are receiving some kind of benefit from the government, especially now during lockdowns that has gone parabolic, like is increased by a ton. And all those people, you can consider them as an employee of the state. So their well-being, their financial well-being depends upon the state continuing the way it is. But with the new logic of violence, this government that we have is not viable. It's just, it's not. So I believe we're in, we're, we need to transition and we will transition because the state as it is, it cannot sustain itself. And I'm very much afraid for the people that are, whose livelihood depend on the government's uh, support because most likely than not, that's going to go away. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen gradually in the next years. And I, I think we should all be pre preparing ourselves and trying to pay attention because we don't know what the new social organization, we don't know what it's going to be. We don't exactly have a map that tells you this is how you need to organize uh, to be effective in the new world. We don't know because things are changing. Things are, this is new space. But what we do know is that we can't continue the way we've been doing things. So we just need to be paying a lot of attention, try to pick up the trends and adapt. We need to be fast and nimble and adaptable. That's going to be the key in this transition period. And we need to have these conversations and we need to talk about this and we need to spread this information so that more people hear about it. Because the people who are not paying attention, they're going to suffer the most. And in all the transitions, the people who adapt quicker, uh, they become better off. And the people who don't, they get left behind. And that creates, always creates social tensions, creates resentment. It's not good. It's not good for anyone. So we need more people to know and we need to have these conversations in an open and honest way to help sm make the transition smoother. In the end, this is going to be great for everyone. The problem is the transition period, and that's where we are now. Uh, before I finish, I'm going to just mention a few more things that are clear indications that we are in this transition period. One is the technology. It's, it, of course, the internet will always going to change everything. When the printing press uh, came about, the Catholic Church had the monopoly in information. They were the ones who were doing all the books by hand. Uh, most of the people that could read had to be priests or associated with the priesthood. And the printing press just pretty much blew that out of the water and just make all a lot more different kind of opinions and interpretations of the Bible available. The people who learned to read increased and over time that that ended the the power and the monopoly in information that the ruling class had at that stage 
uh, the internet is doing the is doing the same thing, but it's doing it times infinity. And we are seeing right now, like for the people that are paying attention, it's extremely obvious all the manipulations, all the lies that the politicians do, the traditional media. We can see very easily, and it's extremely obvious the way that they're they're not trying to give you the right information. They're trying to manipulate you always. And that's what the proliferation of uh, this new technology is doing. It's making extremely obvious what's wrong. And people are just not going to go along with it. Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, again, it's not going to happen suddenly. It's going to happen gradually. But it's going it's to happen. Now I can write an article and I can publish it. And it's anyone in the world can read it. And not only that, I can make a video. And I can make a podcast. And, and Jordan Peterson talks about this in a, in a great way. He says, like, look, almost anywhere, almost anyone in the world can, can read and they can inform them, themselves by reading. But there's way more people that can listen than those that can read. So the printing press had a limit to the amount of people it could reach, but through a podcast, through a video that is visual, the amount of people you, you can reach is, is everyone. We, I don't think we have completely understood the disruptive technology that the internet, video, and podcast, and blogs, the written word, now accessible to anyone, everywhere. We cannot expect that this won't change the world completely because it will. At the same time, we have Bit Bitcoin now. Bitcoin is for the first time in human history, globally, there's millions of people asking themselves, what is money? That's what happened to me when I first started learning about, about Bitcoin. I grew in an economic situation in an economic structure, and I never questioned it because it was the only thing. You know, it's like that uh, story of the fish asking, what's water? You know? But now, every, like millions and millions of people around the world are asking themselves, what is money? What is this economic structure that we've built? How is it working? And most importantly, who benefits from it? And it cannot continue. The world as we've been living, it's not, it's obvious. It can't go on like it is. It just can't. There's too many disruptive things happening. It's been disruptive at that technological level, at an economic level. And again, going back to the logic of, of violence, which is extremely important in history to, the, to determine how societies can actually function. So those three elements are combining, converging. I honestly, I think we're going to go through a huge transformation at a global scale that we've never seen before. And it's going to be faster than any other transformation that we've done in our past. It's not going to be close. It's not going to even be close. Like I honestly believe our, our children will be living in a far, far different world than what we have today. It's very, 
exciting. It's very, it gives me hope because I believe it's going to be much, 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 much better, but it's also slightly scary. The transition period is what scares me the most. And that's why I'm making these videos. And that's why I'm trying to spread these ideas and try to connect with people that have the same uh, mindset because we need to come together and we need to help each other spot the trends to see where the world is going. It's it's essential. It's key. Uh, so we can adapt qu- quickly. The quicker we can adapt and we can establish the new uh, the new way of making all this work at a global stage, the better it's going to be for everyone. Um, my only suggestion, if you're watching or listening to this, is just you got to open your eyes. You got to pay attention. Don't take what I say for granted. Just use it as a way for you to start researching on the different subjects. Because I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm just an artist. I'm just a guy that likes to play music and draw. So you shouldn't take my, my word as, um, some sort of authority because that would be very, very foolish. But all I am doing is I'm reading, I'm researching, I'm trying to learn as much as possible and I bring you what I learned to you. I try to put it in the most clear way possible and I am hoping that it's helpful. And that's it. Um, that's it. Anyway, that's uh, today's article. I'm going to see if we do one again tomorrow or at least uh, soon to go into more detail on all these different elements that are signaling us that the change is at hand. I'll just end by showing you the little drawing. If you're looking at uh, the video that I did, I try to make one for each episode. Uh, yeah, this one is a little bit dramatic and, you know, but it's, it's just for fun. But anyway, have a good day. Enjoy. Have fun. You know, don't let this discourage you. This is exciting. A new world of possibilities is going to open up for everyone. So we should embrace it. Have fun. Enjoy. Smile. I'll see you, hopefully, in the next one. (sighs) All right.